lemonade budget for champagne social butterflies the aspirational podcast for hopeless people i am your hopeless host donna scott i still try and say that like hopeless and toast i'm your hopeless toast (laughs) donna scott anyway how are you i hope you were diddling very well in this lockdown two week three and that you haven't put your christmas decorations up yet but if you have i forgive you still the same number of people in my street with decorations up as last week so no increase on the number of jumping the gun people we've only just had flipping halloween guys this week a number of my friends have a bit of vitriol towards musician sia she's coming in for a lot of flack because she has chosen her protege the dancer maddie ziegler to star as the non-verbal autistic protagonist in her film music of which she is bringing out an album of the same name but maddie ziegler is not uh, neurodiverse in any particular way and even though there are i think 13 other art- autistic actors in the film this has apparently struck a wrong chord um so uh what i'm going to say is don't hate sia for this project that she's you know perhaps been a bit misguided in and tried her best in go back a couple of years and listen to her christmas album because that is so saccharine and cloying you'll you'll feel sick yeah so hate that this week i have featured in a few videos online so i've put together a handy list of things that i have been in and things that i've done and it's on a playlist called donna scott comedy that's on my facebook my social medias i've shared that with you so you can go and explore the whole lot at your pleasure and the last thing i was in was awkward question time yesterday that's the show hosted by alex leem up in derby and i was on with katie hinken rebecca turner john morris and stuart dunlop that was fun and last week i was in of course mr badger talks to utter scum which has been described as utter utter bonkers and the thing is that a weird thing has happened in that you know when i'm appearing in these videos for the people i seem to be a little bit laggy and i've looked at other things i've done in the past and i'm not laggy so i think it's my internet connection something's going wrong there i want to see if i can sort that out not that i mind when appearing with a load of younger comedians because I am the old bat and it's a bit like, you know, when James T. Kirk looks at a beautiful alien woman and all of a sudden it's like he should have gone to Specsavers. There's a bit of that going on, which is useful because I'm older. So as we approach potentially the end of lockdown two and indeed the whole crimbo period, I have got some treats coming up for you. I've got interviews with people lined up, writers, comedians, actors. It's all going to be great. Uh, I thought I would start with a bit of the year in review and I thought I'd do it over a few weeks as opposed to in just one show because this has been quite a year, quite a year. So I'm going to be talking about the the year generally as opposed to my own personal achievements because, heck, what I've achieved is about as interesting as what you've achieved. What have you done? Nothing? You've worked your way through the Tiger King. And a few tubs of Hagen Das and a few bottles of Furlow Merlot. Well, good for you. Good for you. So, this is what I've got the year in review part one is going to cover January and February. January, February, won't you come? That's Barbara Dixon. 
Right. Anyway, I don't know about you, but I feel that this year needs more than one show to digest everything that has been going on. So kick back, relax, open up your box of memories, blow off the fluff, and then realise just how much of it was fluff. And now it's all over the carpet. Get the vacuum out. That was 2020. So I need a bit of a sound effect now as I say, January. It comes as no great shocker to learn that this was the sparkliest month of the year. Yes, sparkly January. (laughs) That's, you know, after you've just got all the lush bath bombs and then you have to clean the bathroom. But let me sum up the hopefulness we all had about the year 2020 when it started. Some people may have bought real physical glasses with the O's of 2020 as holes for the eyes. Many of us just made do with the Instagram filters that did that. But how cute did 2020 look on our faces? Hmm? Very cute. Was this going to be like the roaring 20s once again, we all wondered? In many ways, yes. There was a lot of asymmetric bobbed hairdos, cocaine and racism. But no, even in this enlightened age, many of us were making very different predictions for the decade. So let me start with the times first of all. Oh, the times they are changing. No, they do not. The times could not have been more wrong as they said in their headline, Britain sees in New Year on a wave of optimism and the subheading Johnson promises a decade of prosperity. Have you stopped laughing? (laughs) I mean, let's face it, we all knew things would tick along fairly nicely while we transitioned through Brexit, didn't we? We knew it wasn't going to be like down the plug hole straight away. But a decade of prosperity. (laughs) Well, after that, that was going to be quite a stretch already, wasn't it? How much of a stretch? Well, I stood more chance of doing the splits or indeed any yoga and no it doesn't matter what they can do on drag race your body is not supposed to do that you shouldn't do that and i won't do that and trying to do the metaphorical splits on literal minus money means our metaphorical trousers will literally tear and we will be figuratively walking around showing our metaphorically bare metaphorical bottoms for quite some literal time okay and Not quite as wrong, but still quite wrong. In his technology predictions article for the BBC of January 2020, Amal Rajan, you know, he's always on the telly. He said that all the top news stories would probably veer away from events, as he calls them events, things that happen, back to trends. As he said, the data shows we really are living through the most extraordinarily peaceful, prosperous, wealthy, healthy, safe period in human history. There is strong evidence to suggest life is getting better in many other ways too, but the news industry struggles to convey this, preferring bad news to good news and creating, especially with social media, a sense of being besieged by crises and disasters. Wow. Yeah, he actually said that. Now, if I were to take Amol's words there and compare them with the commentary under our local newspapers reports, It would kind of seem like the reverse is now happening because many people don't believe that they are being besieged by actual crises. Rather, they think that they are being targeted by news media, 
with the intention of creating a sense of crisis where there is none. Oye, in this terrible, terrible year, you have people who think the whole coronavirus pandemic has been dreamed up by Bill Gates to instill fear and panic in all the sheeple so they can be manipulated by fear into doing something. Working. Not working as slaves, oh no, because there's no actual work unless you are a cyber ballerina, an ETA Hoffman automaton for the 21st century government sandman. And you can't go to the pub because the red shoes will dance you away from its doors or something. Anyway, a lot of people are either ignoring the news or grossly misunderstanding it right now, which is depressing. So why didn't Amal Rajan predict that people would generally be idiots? Probably because Amal Rajan spends his days either chatting with very clever technological innovators or reviewing fancy restaurants where they serve delectable dishes with foams and jus. So he may have forgotten just how many people out there are as thick as mints with no gravy. One of Amal's predictions was that there would be more of the internet of things and that's come true I must say because I've got my Fitbit reminding me to wash my hands all the time now. Granted it usually reminds me in the middle of washing up but you know you can't be too careful. Thanks Fitbit. Oh and thanks Fitbit, Alexa and my Google Pixel. Alexa woke up then. Google Pixel on your shopping list. Shut up. Flipping it, Alexa. I don't want it on my shopping list. Take it off. Remove Google Pixel from my shopping list. She wants me to buy another flipping phone. Yeah, so Fitbit, Alexa, and my phone, they all choose different bedtimes for me. Hmm. I don't know that one. Good. I would change them all to match, but I'm knackered from keep being woken up by technology conspiring against my rest and as you can hear Alexa has it in for me oh she's showing me cyber ballerinas what the hell here's something I found on the web according to Phoenix.com, ballerinas are classically trained dancers who perform on stage usually with a dance company okay she's freaking me out now well I think it's true to say that for many of us, the big news story of the year didn't seem to happen until March. But no, if you look back at multiple news sites and the big public health warning was there as headlines back in January. So before we all get smug about being the people who pay proper attention to the news, do you? I mean, not even I got into Worldometer much before February. When it comes to clicking on this data resource about learning who is dying of what when you should be working, I'm not so much an early adopter as a surrogate glum. The other big story of January 2020 was that Prince William, a sort of pigtailless and general other hairstyles-less version of Greta Thunberg, spoke up and said we have 10 years to save the world. And he launched an initiative called Earthshot, aimed at funding great innovations in the fight against climate change. This is possibly because Operation Starshot was the Mark Zuckerberg, Professor Stephen Hawking 2016 initiative to get humans to our nearest Earth-like planet in Alpha Centauri, 
which is what we'll really have to look at if Operation Earthshot fails. In the meantime, we've all been distracted by Operation Moonshot, which we've looked at a bit more urgently to stop us all dying in a different way from this virus, but which is still a bit of a satellite project. In the meantime, I have been occupying my genius brain with Project Slow Gin Shot, part of my ongoing project to make delicious cheap booze for Christmas. And I think, hand on heart, I might have done it, folks. Yep, I have saved us all. January is the month that we broke the Clio after the furthest trip I think we managed to do in 2020 for comedy, which was a trip to Hereford. But I'm rubbish at geography, so it might not have been. It might have been Edwinstow or somewhere else. (laughs) Hereford. I'm calling it Hereford. I am exceedingly glad that we decided to make a little trip of the journey, going for lovely walks in the hills, buying books in hay on Y, eating nice meals and going to the cathedral. That gig, though, was immense. First of all, we hit it off with the B&B owner and he followed us to the gig with his very grumpy boyfriend who stormed off after the gig and left him with us to go and find as wild a time as you can find in the streets of Hereford, going to some clubs and that. Anyway, long story short, despite his many promises to the contrary, Mr B&B was too hungover to cook our breakfast the next day. (laughs) I think that was a case of Operation Tequila Shot, followed by Operation Long Shot. I remember Tom Little was at the gig as well, and though we'd met before, it was great to see him again. And this year, I have been very much championing his funny videos, as he really is a talent. And it was also great to see Jinder Singh, who seems to have gone missing lately. Where's he gone? And Ian Alliston. But perhaps one thing to forget is that the gig was run by a chap called Dylan Jones, who I did think was a bit odd. But it turns out since then, he has been convicted for possession of child porn. So more than odd, an actual flipping monster. Oh, Welsh borderlands, how strange you are. And while we were there, the floods were just starting to hit and... We did have some difficulty negotiating a way back out of Wales because of some of the flash floods that were there already. So I think we managed to get there just in time. Uh, One of the places that we stayed got absolutely flooded out afterwards, which is a real shame. While we were over that way, we took the opportunity to visit some friends on the way home, which I'm really glad about as well. And I'm also glad that we managed to drive all the way home And it wasn't until we'd parked outside our house that I noticed how much oil had been leaking from it. I blame the Welsh Hills. But more positive things happen in January too. My story, Smiley Wakes Up, got long listed for the BSFA Best Short Fiction Award. And we had a great Burns night at the Pomfret Arms. Though myself and actor Benji Dotan were a little bit unwell all the way through it. My poorliness was definitely laryngitis. But Benji is not so sure he wasn't an early adopter of the Covids. My first post about Covid was apparently January the 30th. It seems really strange to think about how much that story was going to shape our year. Even back then. Weird. Other things I noted in January was that after Meghan and Harry had fled the royal family, to us folks in the black country, Meghan will always be Meghan with an H. R. H. Because that's how she spells it. 
And also that month, we lost Terry Jones of Monty Python. I really loved his Ripping Yarn series and also the history programmes he did for the BBC about medieval times. What a talented guy. I also noted that month that when Nigel Farage had a portrait done of him, that the portrait was really ugly. I mean, the fella himself looks like an anthropomorphised flannel. But if the portrait had any powers in a Dorian Gray sense, it was probably still helping us to stop from all dying from being unable to stop vomiting. Thank you, magical art. Then February. Oh, sorry. Funny, funny noise. February. February. Ah, oh, February. We spell you like we are British, yet pronounce you like we are American. My month was full of comedy as I travelled to London, Derby, that place Edwinstow, and all over, and I got my first headline gig of the year. I started learning Japanese ahead of a gig in Manchester, where I was going to see Kawaii Metal Star's Baby Metal, and I was so excited. Of course, I did manage to go and see my favourite band, and had great fun walking around Manchester and eating in Japanese restaurants there. And I had my hair cut in Northampton just before we drove up on February the 22nd. And that still remains the last time I had my hair cut. Which does sound like a long time between haircuts, but honestly, that's nothing to do with lockdown. I'm just a hippie. Also in February, I was getting excited for the return of gritty police procedural Line of Duty, which was due on our screens imminently at the time. February. And you'd think it was the next James Bond film for the length of time they're dragging out its return. Possibly they heard about my bingo game and thought they'd better wait until I'd drunk enough Burlow Merlo to get a good drinking habit to do it properly. That's right, instead of a drinking bingo game, I thought up an exercise bingo game, because I'm nuts, right? Nuts. So if any of the characters said a few typical phrases, rather than downing a shot like a normal, you'd have to bust some moves. So I've got some examples right here. My client has the right to be questioned by an officer at least one rank senior. If you hear that, that's 10 jumping jacks. If Hastings calls someone fella or son, five burpees. If either Kate or Steve call each other mate, five squats. If someone says, for the purposes of the tape, that's five lunges. Someone says, bent coppers, bent coppers, five push-ups. And every time I remind my husband, hey, I've gigged with Andy Osho when she appears on screen, ten push-ups. Of course, she's in the next series. Uh, if anyone says corrupt, you've got to stand up and sit down twice. Oh, and if you see Steve wearing a waistcoat, you've got to do a 30-second plank. A reminder that the officer is there voluntarily. Ten arm circles. If the graphics in a computer make a strange noise that they normally wouldn't make, you've got to do hopscotch legs. <laughs> the duration of them looking at the screen and also 10 squats every time somebody meets in an underpass so I think it was uh, Freddie Farrell who said after all that that people would, would just die watching Line of Duty <gasps> uh, also this February which was a long leap year February Punk's Tawny Phil did not cast a shadow on Groundhog Day which means that 
we were supposed to have an early spring. But instead, what happened? We went into Groundhog Day. <laughs> Thanks, Punxsutawney Phil. And then President Trump got impeached in February. I know, it, that was then. And yes, it really happened. And then Trump totally pretended that it hadn't. Thus setting the fingers in the ear going la 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 tone for the rest of his year. So there you have it. That was January and February. That was my review of the year. That was my review of the year. January and February. Just cast your minds back, guys. In February, we weren't even doing elbows on stage at each other. We were meeting in the pub. We were going to rehearsals. We were planning festivals. Oh my God, things were happening. Just remember what it was like. All those plans, all those dreams. Well, let me tell you, I still have plans. I still have dreams. And you better too. As we look forward to Christmas, anyway, um, I will leave you there. Let's come back next week with, I think, March, April and an interview. Yeah. So I will chat to you then. Uh, this has been Donna Scott signing out. You've been listening to the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies with Donna Scott. Please like and subscribe. Give us a five star review. I love you. Also check out Donna Scott Comedy on YouTube and my website donna-scott.co.uk Music, It Looks Like the Future But It Feels Like the Past by Dr Turtle on Flush Your Rolex EP.